What's up, everybody? Welcome once again to another episode of the Pace and Space podcast. I, once again, am your host, Calvin, and with me, as always, is my friendly co-host, Leif. How you doing, Leif? Well, I'm doing awesome. How about you? How you doing? I can't, I can't complain. I can't complain, as always. This was another jam-packed week of NBA action. And what were your thoughts on this week that we just had, that we just witnessed before our very eyes here? Well, we had a good week this week. I mean, since the last time we spoke, we saw Golden State completely decimate the Cavs. I mean, completely decimate them. Yeah. Um, we were able to see um, OKC going against um, Golden State. Uh, it started off as a good game, but eventually the game tailed off at the end. And we had some injuries. You know, we had the Chris Paul injury, and today we had the Rudy Gay injury. Oh, so, and yeah. yeah, that's a that's a tough injury. You know, we can maybe talk a little bit about that later, but right. just seeing where he is right now. But um, I mean, a big thing this week also was that Carmelo Phil Jackson feud. I mean, oh, yeah. that's probably the best way we can talk about it. What's your take on it? Yeah, I, I think feud is the right word. In all honesty, um, you know, we had this kind of play out in a weird way. You know, there was this Charlie Rosen article that came out, and you know, the word with Charlie Rosen is he's a he's a Phil confidant, he's a Phil friend. So what Charlie was saying is being interpreted perhaps as what Phil is saying, how he feels, what are his thoughts regarding Carmelo Anthony and his role with the team. So after all of these things came out, once again the media ran straight to Carmelo. Brought the microphones, put him in his face, asked him questions, and to his credit, he really didn't want to talk about it. And what did come out was he has tried to have a sit down with Phil, and it came about I think a couple of days after the initial report that he requested it. And you know when you read the post, I read the New York Post, and the comments in there, Melo didn't seem too happy after the conversation. He instead, but he took the high road. He instead said, "You know, I just want to focus on my teammates, get us over this slide. I've proven I'm committed to New York. I don't have to keep answering that or proving that." And and I agree with him. He said time and time again that this is where he wants to be. The fact that he has a no trade clause tell you tells you that he's just not flippantly ready to leave this team on a whim. He's here to stay. And he wants management ownership to build around him, to build a team that can win with him in New York. He wants to win here, and he's he's proven that by his actions, by his commitment, by you know the fact that he has this no trade clause, and he's mentioned why, is so that he he wants to stay in New York. He's not just ready to let the team send him wherever they want, because he he understands that Phil does and doesn't want him at the same time maybe more on the doesn't side than does and he understands his place and he's protected himself with that and there's no shame in that at the same time i don't understand why it took a couple days for phil to have a sit down with his star player his max contract player a player who's been the the lone superstar in new york basketball for the last several years i really don't understand why that took so long and that's kind of a running theme that's been happening with Phil Jackson. When there's some media uh, debate or where there's some rumors, there's some grumblings with the team, with some chemistry issues. Last week when Derrick Rose was nowhere to be found, this Charlie Rosen article comes out. And once again, you see a situation where Phil does not step up and answer questions. He leaves these questions to be answered by his coach, by his team. And if I was a player on that team, if I was Carmelo Anthony, I would be fed up too. I don't know how else to put it. What do you think? I, I agree with you. Um, he has every right to be upset. When you think about Phil Jackson, we spoke about him last week in our last podcast. You would think that Phil Jackson would just get it. The way he handled the role situation and now how he's handling the Carmelo thing. It feels it seems like he doesn't know how to get to his players the way he once was able to. And and granted, that was different. 
as a coach, when you're on the sideline, you're speaking to them in practice and during the game. You're speaking to them all the time. Now you find yourself in a position where you're not on the sideline all the time. You're in the front office. So you actually have to get out the front office, pick up the phone, especially with your star player. Now, granted, you're probably not calling the guy at the end of the bench to see, hey, how you doing? How's your stay here in New York? No, but when you have a star player, a player of Carmelo's stature, and granted, I had my feelings about Carmelo and his play, but I will admit, my man can play. He can ball. You have to give him a call. Carmelo shouldn't have to try to get your attention by going to the media, um, asking for a meeting with you a couple of times, hearing columns coming from other people or tweets or rumblings. That's not how it should play out. It should not have to play out in the public eye. He should have the freedom to go to you and speak on a thing and get feedback. So I agree. Phil Jackson really needs to get turn things around. And if I'm Carmelo, I'm going to get myself out of here. Um, and matter of fact, I'll even go above his head. I'm going to say, hey, look, someone's going to have to make a decision. It's either going to be me or it's going to be Phil. And someone's going to have to decide because I can't continue to play under these circumstances. And, and it's unfair. It's unfair to him. You would think that a guy like Phil Jackson would be able to bring people, bring players onto this team. He hasn't been able to do it. And I'm not talking about the the Roses and the and Noah. Uh, nah, I'm not talking about that. You need to actually bring and build a team. Phil hasn't shown his ability to be able to do that. So that's the position that Melo finds himself in. But I'm going to put bring it to the other side of the fence. Um, Carmelo now seeing himself as proving again that there's always a better way to handle this. Do you think Carmelo could have handled this in a better way? I'm trying to figure out what would be the better way. He's ducked a lot of questions this season. A lot of questions. Um, he, there's been different things that have come out about what Phil has said or, you know, Jeff Hornacek's reactions. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's always a better way it could be handled, but I don't really feel like Melo is at fault too much on this. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't give him as much fault as Phil, if any fault at all. I think what, what Carmelo does is he's expressing his disgust and his anger on his sleeve. And I think that is something that resonates and affects the rest of the team in their body language. Look, they were on a losing streak. And yes, they won last night. And they won despite of him, to be perfectly honest. It was because of Rose having a great game. Um, right now, we see that it's really not Carmelo's show. Carmelo needs to prove to himself, prove to everyone that he's a leader. And expressing your frustration in that way is not the way that it's going to work. So, no, I can't, I can't, I can't give Carmelo a, a pass all the way. I, I can't. Um, even there was a, a, a post from on Instagram from Bleacher Report with Melo talking to his son mm-hmm. about, you know, if a guy's in front of you, you got to take a one-on-one. And that's the problem. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm going too far with all this, but I, I definitely feel that there was a better way he could approach this. Perhaps I also think this is something that's been brewing. I think Melo has ducked a lot of questions this year and last year, has played has played the good son, has tried to be the good company man, has not really taken shots or pot shots or whatever you want to call it back at management or front office or anything like that. To the contrary, he's just kept 
reaffirming that he wants to be a part of this team. He hasn't, you know, said, well, if they want to trade me, they can trade me, you know. I We'll see how things go or, you know, we'll see what happens in a year. He He's constantly said, this is where I want to be. So he's telling the front office, he's telling the fans, he's telling his teammates, like, I'm not trying to run away from this. And I think on some on some level, you have to put you have to account for that as leadership. Other guys in that locker room, you know, the other veterans, Courtney Lee, Noah, Rose, all those guys, and even the young guys like Porzingis and Hernan Gomez and Kuzminskis, they they see what he's going through. And let's be let's be real clear here. This isn't this isn't him arguing with Jeff Hornacek. This isn't him trying to be a tyrant on the court. This isn't him trying to take over the locker room with how the way the team is playing. This is him having to deal with snipes and remarks from the front office in the papers or in the media and not to him directly uh, about his person, about the way he plays. This is not normal behavior. Most players, most superstars do not have to deal with this sort of behavior. This is bordering on the lines of when Baron Davis was getting heckled by Donald Sterling in this in the stands. When Donald Sterling was yelling at, you're overweight, you're fat, you stink. Meanwhile, he's cutting him a check. So this is kind of almost in the same vein what Carmelo Anthony is dealing with, don't you think? I would agree with that, and I think you're you're right with that, especially with, you said, things are being said in the media, and instead of them going to him, they feel like they're saying it in news, and you have third parties saying information. So, yeah, I mean... Absolutely. And whether you think the way he plays is the best style of ball, that that is an open topic, and yeah, that is definitely debatable. But at the same time, we can't act like he hasn't adjusted his game to play with other players as well. He He's shooting fewer shot attempts than he did at his peak with the Knicks. He, his usage rate has gone down since his peak with the Knicks. He he has shared the ball a bit. Is he is he playing like you know LeBron or Giannis or one of those guys with his assist? No, but he was never that player, and I don't think he should be expected to be that player. I think there are a lot of other teams that would use him in a much more effective way, where nobody is complaining about what he doesn't do and just realizing, wow, this guy is really good when you put him in the in a place to succeed. And to be honest, the Knicks have never done that. They have never given him the the tools he needed to succeed. The closest they did was when they brought Chauncey Billups over to the Knicks from the Nuggets. And for a while, they had a nice little run, but that was brief. And once Billups gone, was gone, who did they replace him with? What, what, what other leaders, what other playmakers did they put around Melo? Melo's not a playmaker. You have never put a true playmaker around him since Chauncey Billups. And then... The fans, the media, they get mad that he plays iso ball. How else is he supposed to get his shots without a true playmaker on that team? Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But I look at it as a, a him as a leader. He has to be a leader on and off the court. And 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 I will say that it seems that in terms of being more socially conscious, he's being a leader in that respect. In that respect, um, but as a player and how he plays into the system, that always seems to be something. And granted, you, you have a point about the players on his team, his squad. I can agree there, but at the same time, he still has to to buy in. Less ISO. Well, how's he not buying in? How's how's he not buying in? I don't think he fully buys into to what they're doing. I I think inside he feels that the team is good. I, I don't think he buys into Hornacek. I don't I don't think he does. It's just the eye test. The eye test. Maybe he does. I mean, it's not like he's calling me up and telling me that he is. But the <laughs> eye test is telling me that he's not. That. Well, Melo's never he, been a good body language guy. 
I don't think that he's ever been a guy people have looked at and said, oh, I, I love the, the body language he's, he's putting out there on the court. That's just not his personality. That's not his upbringing. He, he doesn't, he, he's one of those guys that he'll show you he's mad on his face right away. And people don't like that. But if you want to say that him going ISO makes him a bad teammate, you no. have to say that about almost every superstar because every superstar goes ISO at some point in any game. The uh, no. you can go back to the the Christmas Day game when the Warriors and the Cavs are playing. Durant played a lot of ISO to end that game, and he got he got hit for it. He got dinged for it, you know. But at the same time, nobody's saying Durant is a bad teammate. No, they're not gonna say Durant's a bad teammate. I mean, they'll say a lot more other things about Durant, but. Well, seeing how Golden State is right now, they would never call him that. But I think Melo does get a lot of doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't, and the media is guilty of that. Some of the fans are. I'm guilty of it. When I think of that draft class, I immediately go to LeBron. I really immediately say, okay, Wade. And talking about the four amigos, I will always say, oh yeah, CP3 too. But when it comes to Melo, it's like, eh, yeah. He's the fourth child. Even but see, that's interesting because you you say that about Melo, but not CP3, when Melo's actually accomplished more than CP3 has so far in his career. He's been to conference finals. He's put in hard work. He almost made it to the finals. He gave that Laker team a good run, and was playing them. And if you if he wasn't the best player in that in that series because you know Kobe had a great series as well he was definitely the second best player and he was going toe to toe with Kobe and this was Kobe back in his prime I agree and and I will agree with that 100% I will say though with CP3 the only thing that will kind of differentiate them a little bit and it's not it's not Melo's fault position he's a point guard He's a floor. He's known as one of the best, if not the best, floor general in the league. He, granted, he hasn't won anything, but based off of what he does on the court, you can say, "Wow, CP3 is a great leader on the court." And oh, by the way, he also is a leader off the court for the Players Association. So you can give him that. And when you look at him on the court, you can say he buys into the system. They don't put anyone around him the same way they don't put anyone around Melo. But, hey, I think, and you would agree with this too, I think CP3 and Melo need to play together. They oh, need each other. They do. I, I've been saying that. I, I'm a, I'm a 100% in support of that. Whether Melo ends up on the Clippers or Chris Paul ends up on the Knicks, I think that that will happen at some point. Maybe as soon as this summer, maybe as soon as this trade deadline. We'll have to see. But I think that is a good fit for both of them. I think Chris Paul is the type of player, the type of point guard that will command and has earned Carmelo's respect. And Carmelo will be willing to defer the ball handling skills, the playmaking skills to Chris Paul, knowing that he will get the ball in good spots, in good situations where he can be effective and basically torch the opposition. He still has not played with a point guard that can do that night in, night out. And I think putting him together with Chris Paul would make a lot of sense. I personally think the Blake Griffin, Carmelo Anthony trade should have happened a long time ago. I felt like it made a lot of sense for both parties. For LA, trading Melo, bringing Melo and Departing Blake, I felt like that was a better fit between three stars. I feel like Chris Paul, Melo, and DeAndre fit better functionally than Chris Paul, Blake, and DeAndre. You can put Melo as a stretch four. He can still rebound. He can still score. But you don't have two guys fighting for the paint because Blake Griffin, he can shoot a little bit on the outside, but he works better as a post-up player in the paint. And DeAndre Jordan can't shoot at all so you need him to stay around the paint and that causes a spacing issue on there also 
Blake Griffin is a playmaker. He likes to have the ball in the high elbow. He likes to have the ball at the top of the key, run run things for the offense, make passes, make plays. And that's Chris Paul's thing. Chris Paul's the playmaker. He likes to make plays. And you've always seen how Blake Griffin and Chris Paul have performed to greater heights when the other player is sidelined or not able to play due to injury. And I feel if you bring a player in like Melo, he works more in harmony with Chris Paul. Chris Paul's looking to feed the ball. Carmelo's looking to receive the ball and score. That's a nice partnership. Maybe that'll happen in New York. Chris Paul's a free agent. I'm not sure where it'll happen, but like I said, either in L.A. or New York, I think that it needs to and and will happen. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'd rather see Melo go over to L.A., um, I think when you think when you when you consider the whole team and the whole dynamic, you you're right. Melo will work great with CP3, especially when you consider how Melo has done in the Olympics and how he resorted to that the style of play where he gets the ball and it, it, it's a complete different way that he plays right now. Sure. And if he can play like that. But do that on another team, and he can play with Chris Paul. I think that'll be great. DeAndre just cleans up and does all the dirty work. That'll be great. And that trade probably would have happened a long time ago. I think even last season it could have happened if it weren't for Blake getting hurt. I wouldn't have been surprised if it could have happened again this year. But Blake got hurt again. So who knows? Maybe he comes back. They are saying that Blake will be back within a week or two. He gets a, a, a week or two under his belt. And then maybe that trade could be explored a little bit further. I'm not sure how the – I'm pretty sure Carmelo would waive his no trade no trade clause for that. I think so too. I, I, I think he would, rate, he would waive the no trade clause if it meant going to L.A. I think that's something that works for him given – who he would play next to. I also think that works for his family. I don't see Lala having any oppositions to living in L.A. That seems to be a good fit for all involved. And like you said, that would be a better situation for him. That's more of a situation where they want to win now. They have more of a team-built, complete team where he could be that missing piece, per se. I'm not saying that they're going to be ready to take over the Warriors or anything like that, but it would be a better fit than what the Clippers have now. And Melo's locked in for a couple more years. Blake Griffin is about to be a free agent, as is Chris Paul. But like you said, as we said, Chris Paul, Blake, they have not always worked best together. And now they're both coming up where they can exercise free agency, and the team's going to have to decide, the Clippers, that being... Who to keep, Chris Paul or Blake? Maybe they'll try to keep them both, but given how the situation's been the, the last several years, I think they're going to decide on one or the other. But, like you also said, there's the issue of injuries. Blake got injured earlier this season. He's still a week or two away. And what we found out this week is now Chris Paul is injured as well, suffering a, a torn ligament. And his thumb, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. And, and that's got to be a huge blow to the Clippers. It is. It is. Right now, the standings, I think they're fourth right now. Yeah. yeah. Behind the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Warriors. Right. So it's a tough blow. Um, that's a team that really relies on Chris Paul. And considering the fact that Blake is hurt also, you're now looking at Raymond Felton as your starting point guard. That doesn't make me feel any better. You're going to see some games where Austin Rivers is closing out games for the next six weeks. Again, not making me feel any confident. But at the same time, Blake is going to be back within a week or two. And as we've already talked about, Blake Griffin can handle a lot of those ball-handling, playmaking decisions. That's the kind of power forward he is. He does great with assists. He's averaging four to five assists a game. So I'm sure he'll have no problem taking that role and at least for the next six weeks keeping them afloat. Uh, they're not going to light the world on fire. They're not going to 
compete with Golden State right now, but they'll be able to stay afloat, at least for the time being. Right, I agree. I don't see them losing their playoff spot by any chance. Maybe they'll drop to fifth or sixth. Who knows? That is a competitive West from spots one through seven. Where I am concerned with what this means is for free agency. I think this also has affected any potential trade options the team had. Like you mentioned, Blake Griffin, when he comes back, he can be a a player that can make up for some of that playmaking they've lost with Chris Paul. But if they were to say trade Blake Griffin for Carmel Anthony like we were talking about, well, now they have to factor in they don't have their playmaker. So can they really afford to bring in Carmelo for however many weeks it will be till Chris Paul returns without having a a real bona fide playmaker in their in their roster. That that's a tough that's a tough decision. They also have to factor in when it comes to this summer who they're gonna keep and you know, Blake he keeps getting hurt. Year after year it's another injury, another injury, another injury. And they're all leg-related injuries, for the most part. And Chris Paul, you know, he is slightly more durable, but he's gotten injured a quite, quite a bit while he's been with the Clippers as well. So you have two guys who have had their fair share of injuries, and now you have to decide if you want to give these guys five-year max contracts. It's, there has to be a lot... Of consternation right now in Clipperland, don't you agree? And there is. Do you think that um, Blake has a better chance of getting that contract in New York or in LA? I think if Blake opts for free agency, there will be several teams that will want his services. But I also feel that same way if Chris Paul elects for free agency. They won't have a shortage of suitors. I don't believe that at all. The question really is for the Clippers. Who do they want to roll with moving forward? Who do they want to say is their guy moving forward? Chris Paul. Right. Some people might say logically it makes sense to go with Blake since he's a younger commodity. Whereas Chris Paul is now entering his 30s and will not have the same peak athleticism he used to have. But I think I agree with you. I think if you keep Chris Paul, it it keeps your opportunities more open than if you stick with Blake. And as we mentioned, Blake, even though he's younger, he has been less durable than Chris Paul, and he has had injuries to the point where it's changed his game. He has been a far less athletic player the last couple of years um, where we used to see him fly above the rim, throw it down on everybody. Now we see him playing much more to the ground, under the rim, playing more jump shooting, back to the basket. He's had to develop not, not that it's a bad thing, but he's had to develop all these other things because his legs can't take the grind of playing above the rim like that. And the injuries have shown that. So you're not sure what you're getting in Blake. Yeah, he's younger, but are those legs really more like the legs of an older player at this point? That's something to consider. You know, are are we looking at another Mari Stoudemire in Blake Griffin? That is a legit fear. That is a very legit fear. I wouldn't go as far as saying Mari Stoudemire. I think Amari Stoudemire was a little more skilled. I, mean, I don't know if you agree with that around that age. Um, what I would say, though, the fact that he's learning other aspects of the game, I don't think that's a problem. But I would hesitate to give him that contract. A team will. Oh, yeah. They will. Um, they They probably will have something in mind, and he'll do it. He's not going to have the breakaway dunks and nice open looks that he got when he was playing with Chris Paul if he happens to go somewhere else. Right. 
But I will say that if given the opportunity to make the trade, Blake Griffin for Carmelo, despite the fact that Chris Paul is injured, I will still make the trade. Because you're I thinking still, towards the future. I still, yep, I okay. still have to make it. I'll, I have to look at it. Let's worry about the playoffs. We can't stay afloat. We'll stay afloat. We'll, we may not be a 4C. We'll be maybe 6th, 7th seed. But at the very least, we're going to make the playoffs. And I would like to take my chances then. It's fair. It's fair. It's definitely not going to be an easy decision for Doc Rivers, for Steve Ballman, for that whole Clipper organization. The next few months are going to be very telling. And, you know, once again, this is going to be perhaps another season where Chris Paul and the Clippers don't get to the Western Conference Finals. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine these two splitting up, this core changing, and they've never even gotten to the Western Conference Finals? Yeah. Yeah, that would be horrible, wouldn't it? (laughs) It would. And they're great players. Individually, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin... They're, they're stars. They're great players. I know people want to put DeAndre Jordan in that category. Me personally, I don't feel he's a star. I feel that his progression has kind of stunted. And if maybe he was actually a star, that maybe they would have gotten over the hump. Because you can't call these guys like a big three. And they can't get out of the second round. Somebody in there has to be a little less than than was what they're being advertised as. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of advertisement the last couple months for the All-Star Game. The All-Star Game has had a lot of conversation talking about who's going to start, who's not going to start. Also, there's been a lot of talk about the change in the way the voting process is going to go this this year. Now it's not a 100% fan vote for the starters. Now they've added the players and the media. First of all, we haven't even actually talked about that. What is your opinion on the adjustment to the voting for the All-Star starters? I'm not mad at it. I think it, it puts the... You, you give the fans the majority of the opportunity to make the decision, but the players and... The, the coaches should have a, a say, I would think. So I'm not a mad about it. I think the way they adjusted it would work. And if it weren't if it weren't for the way the format it is today, um, Zaza Pachilia would be a All Star starter. Good point. And Very good point. So, so it kind of prevented that. On the other side, if it was still the old format, Joel Embiid would be a starter. Mm. Yeah, so why don't we go into that? Why don't we talk about who the starters are? They were just announced a little while ago, a couple hours ago today. And for the Eastern Conference starters, we have Kyrie Irving, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Jimmy Butler. And for the West, we have Stephen Curry, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and the brow, Anthony Davis. So let's start off with the East first and foremost. What are your thoughts on the starting five in the East? Well, first, let me give you credit for knowing how to say Gian's last name with no problem. You, <laughs> every time you say it, you surprise me. You get it perfectly. I'm not even going to try it. I just keep I, reciting it to myself in front of a mirror. That's all. Okay, I'm just going to keep going the Greek freak or... Giannis, or that guy in Milwaukee. Right, right. Uh, I'm, the East is okay. Uh, I would have liked to see Isaiah Thomas in there. He's he's doing tremendous. And in this instance, he's not an all-star starter because of the fan vote. Mm. I would have loved to see him there. I'm not going to be mad. DeRozan's having a good year. Kyrie, he's having a good year. The rest of the, the, the front court, nothing bad to say about the front court. That's exactly who I had in the front court anyway, so I can't be mad at that. 
I just feel that I would like to see Isaiah Thomas in there. That's all. Yeah, I I wanted to see Isaiah Thomas get in there. He's having an amazing season. He's having a better season than Kyrie Irving, to put it bluntly. He is the leader in fourth quarter scoring. He's averaging 28 points per game, and he is the engine for that Boston Celtics team. And let's be honest, a player like Isaiah Thomas, how many chances in their career are they going to get to be an all-star starter? How many chances are they going to be head and shoulders deserving over other players? And here he was. This was his year. He needed to be a starter this year. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll keep putting this up, these numbers up for three, four, five years, and he'll get it a start. But I feel like this is Isaiah Thomas's year. He needed to be a starter. Kyrie Irving, great. He's putting up some numbers. He's doing good. But he's not having a better season than Isaiah Thomas. And he's not having a better season than Kyle Lowry. And I would even go as far to say I would even put John Wall as a starter over Kyrie Irving right now. Exactly. You just named all the players who I would put before him. (laughs) But here he is as a starter. And I know you said this was the fan voting, but I think this might even be the player voting as well. Because the way the the media views Kyrie Irving, they don't have a lofty opinion of him. They they slam him with with the analytics. They really nitpick his game. They don't call. They say he's a terrible playmaker, a terrible defender. I really feel this was a combination of the fans and the players that got him to start, and that has a lot to do with him hitting that big shot in the finals. And I give it to him. That was an amazing shot. He's a closer. He's a very clutch player. He also has the luxury of playing next to LeBron, and I think that helps him a lot when it comes to his scoring lanes, his scoring opportunities. When you compare that with a player like Isaiah Thomas, with like John Rawl, like Kyle Lowry, they have to put up the numbers they're putting up, and they don't have that same luxury. So I, I really feel like, but first and foremost, I think this was Isaiah Thomas's year to be a starter. I'm happy with DeRozan. LeBron, can't argue with that. Giannis, I'm happy. He deserved it. But I'm going to do one more slight adjustment. I needed Joel Embiid as a starter this year. He needed to be a starter. He's a he's an all-star. He is the epitome of a star. He's a star on social media. He's a star in his production. He's a star with how he has the fans in Philly just in a fervor. They're actually happy. They're actually cheering. And he's not a starter. How does that happen? Again, I think in this instance, the fans, not the, the fans agreed. I agree. I I love watching MB play. And yesterday, he's at the line at the end of the game, closing out the game against Toronto, and oh, he's w- waving the crowd on. Come on. Even that- Toronto can't get mad at that. Because they're like, come on, guy. You lost two years because of a foot injury. You coming out here. You're bringing excitement back to the right. game. Exactly. They weren't. There was no retaliation. Everyone's just happy. He's just a happy guy. You cannot watch a Sixers game and watch this guy and have anything bad to say about him. No, he's a clear difference maker. You just see it when he's on the court. He makes things happen. The team. You can see how much better the team is that he's on the court, and it's just amazing. When you're looking at young players and you're trying to squint and see, okay, this guy can be a star. If he can put this together, he had that one play where if he can refine that, he's going to be a star. But here he is, Joel Embiid, first full season in the NBA, and you're like, yep, that's it. He has it. And I'll give you, I'll even go a step further. He was egging the crowd on. He was throwing his hands up, trying to get the crowd involved while he was, while he was at the free throw line. But he also synced both free throws. Exactly. Iced the game. He iced the game doing that. Hit one free throw, threw his arms up, got the crowd excited, then hit the second one. And those were clutch free throws with like 30 seconds, 20 seconds left in the game to put them up by like four or six points and really put it out of reach. It wasn't a first quarter. It wasn't in a blowout. That was game on the line. I need to hit these free throws. Got the crowd hyped and hit them anyway. That's why you can't be mad at him. I, I, I love watching him play. And 
based off of everything, it seems like he's going to be an all-star, and deservedly so. Um, maybe he plays in the rookie game. I would love to see him play there. He's even said he wants to compete in a three-point contest. Hey, give it to him. I don't care. <laughs> the more we get to see him beat, I'm all for it. Hey, if he says he wants to do the skills challenge, let him do the skills challenge. I don't oh, care. Yeah. He's an exciting player. This is the kind of player the NBA has needed for quite a while. He's here. He's as advertised. So if you're the NBA, you have to give him as many opportunities to get him out there. Yeah, I agree. I think he should have been a starter. This was an opportunity lost by the NBA, by the league. But given how good he is, I'm sure he's going to be a starter sooner rather than later. Absolutely. So now the West. Again, oh boy. <laughs> the West starters, Steph Curry, James Harden in the backcourt, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis. How do you feel about these starters, Leif? All right, I'm going to push everyone out the way for a second. Yeah, I'm just going to step back. You go for it, man. Why is Westbrook not a starter? To me, it's criminal. The guy is averaging a triple-double. He's the leading. He leads the NBA in scoring. He is second in assists. He's averaging 10.4 rebounds a game. He leads the league in play efficiency. Why isn't he an all-star? What a uh, all-star a starter? What else does he need to do? And the the fact that I'm looking at this and the thing came out and Harden, I have no problem with Harden. Harden absolutely deserves to be a starter. The person who I believe should not be a starter is Curry. No knock on Curry's game. Curry's a great player and he's top 10. Easily, maybe even top fives. But the fans, the fans got it wrong there. And that was an instance of the fans because the fan voting is what was the tiebreaker in that case because he had, I believe, the same amount of votes as Curry. But because Curry had the fan vote, he went in. So where were the fans in OKC? Where were the fans who did not see, you know, Westbrook just pretty much, he's, he's OKC. He is. he is OKC. So why is he not a starter? I, I, I don't I I really don't get it. I don't. And maybe it's the same thing with Kyrie where they saw them in the finals. He's become a household name. Curry's a household name. Westbrook may not be a household name yet, but come on, really? There has to be some kind of veto or something and say, guys, you got it wrong. <laughs> This guy's won the All-Star. He's won the All-Star MVP two years in a row. You gotta get him in there. He's gotta be a starter. So yeah, that that upset me greatly. I'm, I, I'm trying to tone it down. I don't want to get too riled up on no, this. Get but riled up, man. Get riled up. It, it it it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy how he is not a starter, and he hasn't said anything yet. I haven't seen any tweet or anything by him. I know he's probably like, are you kidding me? You know, I'm carrying mm-hmm. OKC, you know, and I got this soft guy over here. And, yes, I'm going to call him soft. I'm going to call wow. him soft. KD over here going to to Golden State, and here he's a starter. Like, how are you a starter? You gave up. You know, mm. I mean, I hate to put this on KD, but OKC – won that series last year against Golden State. Well, they should have. Yeah, no, no, no. They won it. Kevin Durant lost it. Mm. That's what it is. Kevin Durant lost it at the end. Yeah, he had the ball in his hand those last three games. The ball was in Durant's hand. He came up short. Now, he's talking about, yeah, I need some free open shots. (laughs) Okay, whatever. But, oh, but the fans forgave him. But now... You have a player like Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, is not starting. So you can tell me now he's the sixth man. He's the first man off the bench. Right. That, that's crazy. That's that, that's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. It is. It is. And you have no complaints from me here. And I'm just going to piggyback on your vitriol right now. <laughs> 
because I 100% I agree with you. You have, if not the front runner for MVP, the 1B to James Harden's 1A in the MVP race, and he's not even going to be a starter in the All-Star game. I'm going to throw out some other numbers for you. You know, yeah, we talked about the triple doubles. If you if you're not one of those, if you want to get into the nitty gritty of it, you want to get into some advanced numbers. Here's some advanced numbers for you. Westbrook leads the league in box plus minus. He leads the league in VORP value over replacement player. He leads the league in PER, and he's leading the league in assist percentage this year. How's this guy not? First ballot All-Star. He should have been the first guy selected for the All-Star game as a starter. What else does he have to do? I don't know. He He's the MVP right now. Thank you. He's the MVP. <laughs> and he's, he's the not going to start right in the now. All-Star game. Yeah. And I know there's been some noise that Harden should get the MVP over Westbrook. But even if you believe that, that's your one and two right there for MVP, and that's not your one and two for the all-star starting lineup. Tell me it's all a joke. I I can't believe that for for a second. I know I sound very repetitive over and over saying it, but I can't believe that. I cannot believe he is not starting in the all-star game. And, you know, no disrespect to Steph Curry. I like Stephen Curry. He's got a great game. He plays well. But he'll he'll probably be the first to tell you he's not having a season on par with his other years where he got the back-to-back MVP, where he was an all-star starter. This is, I don't know. I don't know. We've been talking about him all season. Like, when are we going to see the real Steph Curry? And I get it, fan votes, but it's not just a fan vote thing. Because like you said, if it was just a fan vote thing, Zaza Petrulia would be a starter in here. So we have the players, we have the media, and the media and the players, maybe the media, I don't know. They're choosing Curry over, over Westbrook. And like you said, Oklahoma City. Where are you? Stand up for your guy. He's the best player in the league this year. You got to get him in for all-star starter. You have to. Remember, we were talking about Anthony Davis last, last week. He's in there. And I don't have any complaints with that. He should be in there. And that was with, you know, a weak voting representation from for him in the fan votes. But somehow, Westbrook couldn't crack the starting lineup and... Is that this that's the that's the mind boggling that's the most mind boggling omission out of any of these here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. I really, really, really don't get it. And again, not a knock on Curry. But I mean he he, he won't admit it. Aisha won't let him do it. But <laughs> he knows he's a he knows he's not a a starter this year. But maybe he does feel he's a starter. Maybe he does. Hey, for all we know, Draymond's probably mad too. Wondering why he's not a starter. I can 100% guarantee you Draymond's mad he's not a starter. Yeah, so you can kick some people around. So is Clay. Yeah. And I'm sure Curry was like, hey, I deserve it. But the fact that it's Curry that got the start over him is... That's an extra insult to injury right because here you have kd left your team went from okc to golden state because he wants to play with curry and green clay and these guys and then you are having this phenomenal historic season and here you can't get into the starting lineup why because steph curry that guy again and that team again the warriors have taken the spotlight from you once again the, the chip is just growing bigger and bigger on Westbrook's shoulder. It has to be, right? Oh. With that, with Zaza's flagrant on, on the other day, yesterday, oh, oh you know. That was oh, you, dirty. That, that was dirty. You know the chip is growing. He already said that he's going to get him back, too. <laughs> but, but hold I up. Don't know. What, was, what was Cantor doing there? 
What was what was the rest of the OKC four man group doing on the court there? None of them wanted to at least point a finger at Zaza. Like, what, what's going on? What are you doing to my boy? None of that. None of that. Seen, really? Have you seen that dude? Have you seen Zaza? <laughs> hey, if, I would have messed with him either. If Steve Adams was on that court, exactly stuff would have stuff would have popped off. That's all I'm saying. Stuff would have popped off, but here's what's gonna happen. This is gonna happen. You mark your calendar. When the next time that they play, about nine days before they play, they're gonna sign Kendrick Perkins to a ten-day contract. And his whole existence <laughs> will just be to lay out Zaza Pachulia. Like that's your whole job. We want you to practice. We're gonna give you a couple minutes, but all we want you to do is study this tape. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch this clip over and over until you get as mad if it was your own son that this happened to. Him. Exactly. That's the instructions. Like, yeah, you can imagine him now. He's like, all right, let's. I'm going to practice. Like, no, you're not practicing. You're going to be cut. In fact, you're going to be thrown out the league. All we need you to do is just handle this one job. <laughs> Man, I I just cannot believe. I just cannot believe. Zaja Pachulia just got to lay him out and just stand over him like that. Yeah. Like, like it was some WWE stuff. Like, he just stood over him like, like he was the Undertaker or something. And and the referees had to go back to the video to call it a flagrant. Like, <laughs> really? You need to review that? He stood over the dude for like a solid minute. You're not even, even going to tee him up for taunting? He stood over him. And all the teammates did is just pick up Russ, pick picked up Westbrook. Westbrook was probably shocked because he was face down. I think so he, he was face down, so he didn't get up and punch him. To be right. honest, so he turned around. He was like, "All right, I know there's a brawl going on behind me." And when he saw a hand there to pick him up, he probably was shocked. Like, what? Yeah, you know he laid into them at the end of the game. I, I read one tweet. I forgot who put it, but they basically said. And Ennis Cantor shouldn't even be allowed to come back out after halftime from the locker room. Because he just basically, like, walked around Petrulia, gave him, like, a quick glance, and then just picked up Westbrook. You're the big man. You're the center. Yeah, come on, man. At, at, at least, you know, at least stare at him, you know? At least stare at him. At least... At least make sure you you get him out of your boy's personal space. Like he didn't even get him out of Westbrook's personal space. They were just yeah. like kind of like awkwardly picking up Westbrook while Petrulia just stood there occupying the space. You gotta at least get him off that space. At least have have a hold me back moment. Like just yeah. step up. Yeah. All right. I'm not gonna do anything, but hey, if you do something first, at least you know. get you know at least get. Get to chest to chest to that dude. Let him know, you know, you can't do that again. You know? Yeah, but Zaza's already talking trash, said he's going to come back again. He's not worried about it. I mean, I guess Zaza's from the mean streets of Georgia. I didn't know he, he got down like that. Hey, I, I don't know. Maybe him and Draymond are trading notes. Yeah. So Draymond did to LeBron on on Monday. Oh yeah, he gave him he gave him a gave him a lariat, he gave him a nice clothesline. <laughs> yeah, they gonna play games. I, I I think these teams are probably looking to get um, working to get more physical. Yeah, that that Draymond clothesline that was that was one of the few plays I I watched and I said. Yeah, that's a flagrant. Yes, LeBron should get a fine for flopping at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he flopped that all the way. He definitely did. But, you know, that was also a very stupid foul by Draymond. There was, like, no attempt to get the ball. It was it was essentially a clothesline. So so I get, I get giving them a flagrant. He could have probably got the flagrant even if LeBron didn't act. Oh, yeah, he could have got it. So, yeah, but this has been a very interesting week. There's been some very interesting taunting, some interesting fouls, a lot of injury news. We were talking about 
Rudy Gay, you mentioned Rudy Gay earlier in the episode, how he has he suffered a torn Achilles, so he's out for the year, and that's really bad timing for him. I mean, first and foremost, that's a terrible injury to deal with, and I hope he has a speedy recovery. But the timing makes it even worse. All year we've known he's been looking to get out of Sacramento, been hoping to be traded. Sacramento's been perhaps trying to find the right trade partner. And now all that's gone. Few few teams, if any, are going to trade for a player now with a torn Achilles, especially when they can opt out and be a free agent at the end of the year. But at the same time, given this injury, given the uncertainty of what's in store for him in free agency now, he does have a player option that's a little over $14 million. So what do you think Rudy Gay's going to do? Do you think he'll still test out free agency, bet on himself, bet on himself to recover and be able to showcase himself showcase himself enough in the summer perhaps to get the deal he wants? Or is he going to perhaps look to play it safe and, and exercise his option, get healthy while he's with the Kings for another year and then hope to cash in the next the next season, the next summer. He's gonna play it safe and he's gonna opt in. When he when he opts in, I know Sacramento is looking to have a lot of cap room come next season and to use that one to I guess resign cousins to a, a longer contract and also to um, get some other free agents in. But they're going to have to give him something. They're going to have to pay him that player option. He, he has to take it. And granted, maybe they'll negotiate something out and you know, work out a payout or something. But he, he'll be wise. He'll, he'll take it. Players who comes off those Achilles injuries tend not to get those contracts that you would expect. Um, I'm looking at like Brandon Jennings. Mm-hmm. He, he tested out free agency. Well, he was a free agent. He didn't get that contract. Got a one-year deal. He bet on himself. He lost. He's right now losing. He's not going to get a good contract. Um, you have other players, Chauncey Billups. What happened to him? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, yeah. It's a really hard injury to come back from. It is. And yeah, and, and knowing him and how he plays, he's best just taking the option, getting the money, and then next season coming out and. Being a free agent next season, next year. That's probably the best course of action. On the flip side, I don't know if he wants to stay in Sacramento another year. Doesn't seem that way. He might not have another choice. The best possible outcome would be he falls into a situation like Wes Matthews. Wes Matthews is coming off Achilles injury, and Dallas gave him that five four or five years, $70 million contract. They basically bet on him and his his work habits and his rehabilitation that he was going to come back and be the same player. And for the most part, he has been. So maybe a team could say that for Rudy Gay, but the problem is Rudy Gay would have to make that decision beforehand and make that, that leap beforehand. And so we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But definitely uh, a tough situation for him. And now we have to see what happens with the Kings. The Kings may have been looking to to use him as a as a trade trip on the de- at the deadline. But now those those hopes have kind of gone away. Yeah. Well, all right, Leif. It was good talking with you. We had a really good time. Talked about some very uh, poignant topics this week. We got to hear your magnificent rant about Russell Westbrook not being an all-star starter. It was it was truly a work of art, and I thank you for it. It was great. Yeah, I have more to say. I'm, I'm still upset about it, but I think I expressed enough. I think we got the idea how how horrible it is. But we had a good time today. Yeah, we did. And for anyone listening, if you have any thoughts on the all-star starters, who you think should or shouldn't have been on there, you can reach us on Twitter, at the SL Reporter. That's short for Silent Reporter. 
on Twitter and you can reach out to us and you can use the hashtag AllStarSnub to let us know what you thought about this year's All-Star Starters. Once again, you can find we're on Twitter at the SL Reporter, and you can also find me on my personal account at Caldan384. And Leif, where are you at again on Twitter? I'm at LDB Creations. Yeah, and as always, you can find us on our website, the SLReporter.com, where we'll have articles, po- postings, uh, and things like that, where you can check in and see what's going on and what's new. We got some good stuff coming up for you in the weeks ahead, but in the meantime, stay tuned for next week's episode. You guys have a good night, and thanks for talking with me, Leif. No problem. Take it easy, everyone. All right.